Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in a Monday edition of Locked On Blue Devils. J.J. Jackson hanging out with Josh Cox from Duke Football Talk's Section 17 podcast. And uh, Josh, I said it there in the open, our cold open, as we say here on the network, Duke lost 81-77 to North Carolina and the season came to a close. Heartbreaking. I mean, you could describe every word possible and uh, just just all around brutal loss for the Duke men's basketball team. Yeah, I mean, what an emotional night. I mean, I, I know following different fans and different things going on, you know, people handle it uh, different ways. I can't imagine being in like a public setting, watching that game with a bunch of people that were pulling for both teams. Uh, you know, it, it was just a, it was a rough night. And at the end of the day. Um, you know, if you weren't a Duke or Carolina fan, what a great game to watch. Um, but if you were, if you were a Duke fan, man, it was a tough one. And uh, and and what a way, uh, not only obviously for the season to end, but for Coach K's career to end. Let's talk about it. All right, so Duke falls 81-77. Duke had the three-point lead at halftime. We talked a lot about keys to the game going into this one. Trevor Keels had 19. Paulo had 20 and 10. First time this season. That Trevor Keel scored more than 13 points, and the Duke Blue Devils lost a basketball game. Where do you want to start in breaking this down, Josh? Like, what in particular on the hardwood stood out the most to you? Well, I've got to say this, and this team had really turned the corner up until this game. But I felt like I, we we lost our heads a little bit in this game. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to complain about the officiating. There were some sketchy calls there towards the end, but Mark Williams, I don't know what. Early in the game, what he's thinking, um, knowing he's probably going to get foul calls on both of those first two fouls. And, uh, you know, he just wasn't mentally there. I think he picked up his fourth about 90, 90 feet away from the basket on the other end when he slapped Baycott uh, unintentionally but still hit him in the face, uh, third or fourth foul. Um, so, man, I'll, I'll be honest with you, um, not just the fouls. In a nutshell, to win games, you've got to make winning plays. And for the most part – we didn't make winning plays, and for the most part, they did. And, I mean, all credit to R.J. Davis throughout the entire game, Caleb Love, obviously, in the second half. They made winning plays when it mattered. They hit free throws when it mattered. They did all those things. Listen, they rebounded. They hit free throws. They didn't make mental mistakes. And we didn't rebound, and we didn't hit free throws, and we made mental mistakes. You don't win a game when it happens. We talk about the three-point line as well for Duke basketball in the tournament. So many teams have been able to kind of outshoot Duke from distance. North Carolina doubled the Blue Devils in three-pointers. It was R.J. Davis, as you said. He really kept them in there in the first half because it was a very slow start for the likes of Caleb Love, Brady Manick. Armando Baycott was doing his thing on the defensive glass and offensive glass, but wasn't really scoring the basketball. Leaky Black hadn't made a three-pointer since February, as Jim Nance liked to tell us a lot during the broadcast. He knocks down two of them, and it was just North Carolina's night. Yeah, it sure was, and I will say this, credit to the game plan of Duke. I felt like coming out with Wendell uh, guarding Brady Manick was, was the right move on Duke's part. Uh, that allowed Paulo to, to guard Leaky Black and be able to play off of him a little bit um, and help out in the lane, uh, which which I thought he did decent. Once again, Paulo's 
not it's not his strong suit on the defensive end, but I thought he did well. And yeah, I mean, you you've got the Duke effect there a little bit with Leaky Black. I mean, he had been 0 for 11 from behind the arc since February, and he knocks down two. Uh, but you know what? I mean, if if we had uh, Bates Jones come in the game and knock down two, Carolina fans would be saying the same thing about us. Right. And so at the end of the day, like I said, man, these are big moments. These are huge moments. And you either come up big in these moments or you don't. And, and unfortunately for us, we didn't come up big enough enough times. This episode of Locked On Blue Devils is brought to you by Stat Hero. Stat Hero is reshaping the way you play fantasy sports. Dozens of house-based games to play daily. No sharks, no funky props, just your skill versus the lineups that you choose. Sign up today at stathero.com slash locked on. JJ Jackson here with Josh Cox from Duke Football Talk Section 17 podcast. Locked on Blue Devils every single day, five days a week. You can follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. One week from today, now that the season has come to a close, we're going to bring back Mailbag Monday. Any questions that you may have, send them to us. Josh can even help me out with some of those questions uh, that we want to hear from you. LockedOnBlueDevils at gmail.com or by sending a, a direct message to us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. All right, so uh, talking more about this game specifically, some individual performances for Duke. Uh, what about Trevor Keels, Josh, and just the effort that Duke got out of him? Yeah, I mean, he, he has proven uh, uh, from time to time this year that he, he doesn't mind the moment, right? He, he doesn't mind playing in that moment. Even if he misses the shot, he doesn't mind taking the shots uh, when they matter. And, man, he did come up big uh, tonight uh, scoring the basketball. Um, and you could tell that his 100% of his heart and emotion was into this game. Um, you saw it at the end there with – uh, he was he was distraught really on the bench after the game and in the in the uh, uh, hallway there heading to the locker room. There's a moment that was caught on video there uh, with he and Coach K. But Trevor uh, played a Trevor Kills game, man. He hit some shots um, and he drove the ball to the basket and he played good defense. And really, you can't say enough about uh, Trevor. If if there, if not for Trevor Kills, uh, we'd have been blown out of this game. 19 points for Trevor, and again, the first time this season, Duke lost a basketball game when he scored greater than 13 points. Kind of wild because Duke won the Texas Tech game and got zero points out of Trevor Keels, but he was feeling it. We talk about the foul trouble for Mark Williams. Theo John plays extended minutes, gets four fouls all in the first half. I mean, I, I was joking uh, and thinking about that Gonzaga and Georgia State game, very random, but in the first round of the NCAA tournament, Georgia State actually had a player foul out in the first half. And I'm like, that's not something you see every day. I don't know when I'll see it again. And if I just watched the Final Four, we kind of saw that with Theo John because he had to come in and, and kind of the interior depth of Duke uh, didn't necessarily help them out against that front court of North Carolina. Yeah, I, I was a little surprised that we didn't see Bates for a couple of minutes or we didn't just go small. Uh, we wound up going small throughout the second half anyway. Um, so, and, and you know that when we go small, it makes, you know, Manic and Baycott guard Bancaro and somebody else. Um, you know, and that's to me, that's an advantage for Duke. He was grabbing rebounds. It didn't matter who was in the game. So uh, I was really surprised that we left Theo in. Uh, you know, by the way, I felt like Theo's fourth foul was a good call. He had his leg up in between the guy and he was pushing on him. And Theo, Theo, it doesn't matter sometimes if Theo actually fouls someone. It's that the way he plays and so aggressive, it looks like he fouls people. And so that's why he gets foul calls a lot. But I thought Pete Theo played well. 
Um, and he, he, he more than, you know, made up for what we were missing uh, with Mark there getting in foul trouble. Theo had that uh, really, really smooth offensive move down the, on the baseline. Um, you know, and he brings energy, uh, of course. But, man, I tell you, Mark Williams is a game changer. And when you don't have Mark Williams for 15 minutes of the first half, um, you know, we, we truly miss him out there. And he is a difference maker on this team. And tough to win a game in the Final Four with your big guy out you know, missing over half the game in foul trouble. That's for sure. What an incredible game it was for the final four. North Carolina defeats Duke 81-77. The Tar Heels are the first school to ever beat Mike Krzyzewski in his Hall of Fame GOAT career, and they're also the final team to knock him out as his career has come to a close after 42 awesome seasons in Durham. Let's talk a little bit more about Coach K and this Duke basketball season in just a moment when we come back here on Locked on Blue Devils. Today's edition of Lockdown Blue Devils is brought to you by our good friends over at Stat Hero. Stat Hero is the best in the business when it comes to their NCAA single game pickums. It's awesome. They pit the star players against each other in an amazing hybrid between fantasy and sports gambling. Take control back from those handicappers that always seem to have the advantage. In addition to their pickum games, they also have dozens of lineups that you can come through to take on head to head. Sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. That's stathero.com slash locked on, promo code locked on for a 100% match. stathero.com slash locked on, promo code locked on. Terms and conditions apply. We're moving forward here on Locked on Blue Devils. JJ Jackson hanging out with Josh Cox from Duke Football Talks Section 17 podcast. It's the end of the career for Mike Krzyzewski after 42 seasons. Uh, shook hands with all of the North Carolina players and coaching staff once that game went final, and Duke fell by four and then walked off the floor. Coach K not talking a whole lot about his career, his legacy, or that sort of thing. As you said a little bit more earlier, there was the moment with Trevor Keels. He was caught congratulating Armando Baycott and checking on Baycott after he rolled his ankle with about five minutes to go. Uh, what, what did you think about Coach K and, and how he took in that final game and just everything there? Yeah, you you hate it for him. I mean, I you know maybe there's a small party that say if he's going to go out and get beat by somebody, let it be UNC. I I I don't subscribe to that uh, that thought process. You know, to think that he has to sit there um, as those final you know five six seconds are, are ticking off that clock, knowing that forty two years of pouring your life into this university really. I mean, it's it's the university. It's the entire program. It's this year's team, but then it's every single one of those 208 players that he's coached over these 42 years. A lot of them were there in attendance um, at the game. And once again, you know, this this is what you – you know, when you announce your retirement uh, before the season starts, this is what happens. You know beforehand this is going to be it. Every game in the NCAA tournament could be your last. And, uh, and man, I, I, I don't know the memories – have to come flooding back to him, not of necessarily wins and losses, but you see the stories of Marty Clark struggling with substance abuse and and him, you know, reaching out and being a mentor to him. You hear Nolan Smith tell of wanting to leave and 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 Coach K sitting down with him. You hear JJ Reddick talk about Coach K sending his assistant coaches out after him to find him at some frat house and <laughs> and, and really helping him turn his life around. You hear Jay Williams say you know, when he thought he was going to lose his life after that accident, Coach K 
came and stepped in. And those are just the ones that we've heard about. There's probably countless others uh, that he has made a phone call or, 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 or hopped in a car and met with, whatever it may be. And, you know, all those memories have to flood back at a time like this of just how much of an impact that he has. You know, in general, even if it's middle school, high school, we all remember coaches. You know, we all remember those people in our lives yep. um, on the athletic field that really helped us learn life lessons and pushed us to be our, the best version of ourselves. And, man, Coach K did that on a high level with a whole bunch of guys. And so I hope that he's able to take this in after the disappointment wears off and just really appreciate what he was uh, – you know, fortunate enough to do. And, and not to mention, you know, the players that he certainly impacted, people on his coaching staff, folks within the Duke Athletic Department, but really an entire community, an entire fan base, so many people uh, individually that don't necessarily make the headlines or anything like that. Coach K has been able to uh, kind of make an impact on people's lives. Here I am hosting this podcast. I've mentioned it before, going on over a year strong, hosting Lockdown Blue Devils. And if you're just now finding us, Kind of my background, my story, being a two-time cancer survivor, a battle with Hodgkin's lymphoma at 11 years old. The Make-A-Wish Foundation came to me and said, you can do anything in the whole wide world. What do you want it to be? And the only thing I wanted to do was to meet Mike Krzyzewski and kind of be around the Duke basketball team. And I was afforded that opportunity, got to meet Coach K several times and throughout both of my battles with cancer. He was with me every step of the way always reaching out to friends and family and uh, all of my loved ones, my parents in particular, to get kind of updates. And I know I'm not the only one. I know I'm one of uh, very many that have been personally touched by Mike Krzyzewski, having never played basketball there. I didn't go to Duke. I didn't have that opportunity. And uh, But uh, nonetheless, Duke basketball has always been something that I've just absolutely loved at 26 years old. And for many people, if you go all the way up to 42, you only know Duke basketball with Mike Krzyzewski. So uh, it, it's been really surreal these past uh, 24, 48 hours uh, post-loss and post the end of the career for Mike Krzyzewski. Yeah, I think about uh, the man Steve that used to sit behind the bench, that Down syndrome. Yep. Um, and I know his family personally uh, very well. And just to hear them talk about how that even happened to begin with, they were doing some work inside of Cameron and they got talking about Steve and – and uh, Coach K said, I, I, I want to meet him. And uh, they said, well, you know, how can we make that happen? And Coach K just said, well, give me give me his address. And he sent him a handwritten note inviting him to come to a game. And the rest is history. Um, just that, that beautiful friendship and really, really cool cool moment uh, there before every game as Coach K would shake his hand or fist bump him or whatever. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, there, there are stories like that, I'm sure, that have yet to be told. Um and, and man, uh, what, what an incredible career, incredible career. And, and Coach K says it best, I'm lucky. I'm a fortunate guy. And he is. I mean, listen, let, let's be honest. Great coaches are made by great players uh, that play well in the moment. And had 91 and 92 not happened, we're probably not talking about Coach K the way that, that uh, we are now. But, man, he put a team together in, in the early 90s that finally got over that hump and uh, put him on the map. And, um, yeah, what an incredible career. It's just beautiful what we've been able to see for Mike Krzyzewski and this Duke basketball team. Not the ending that any of us wanted to see, but it is over for Coach K in the Duke Blue Devils era. I was, uh, you know, reading everybody after the fact and, and seeing what people had to say about the loss and that sort of thing and was uh, personally kind of struck by a tweet from Michael Lee, who's a, a top sports reporter for the Washington Post, 
um, said salute to Mike Krzyzewski for 42 years. He gave college basketball fans a reason to care. It was impossible to be impartial about Duke, either loved or hated him. Coach K built a sustained power in an era of parody, outlasted other legends, brought unmatched passion to his craft. That's just one tweet. You're limited on characters, but the fact for Michael Lee to summarize it that well, I'm just blown away by that. But he, he's exactly right. Like, you cannot meet no matter what part of the country you are in. And here I am in the heart of SEC country. I've been living here for the past seven, eight years. And everyone has an opinion on Coach K, and not many of them have any ties to the area whatsoever. The same is said across the country on the West Coast. It's unbelievable what he's been able to do for one singular school. Yeah, and you, and you think back, you know, really where Gonzaga is right now, you know, they've kind of been on the cusp um, of, of winning a title and, and all that stuff. That's kind of what I feel like Duke was back in the, in the mid to late 80s. They were kind of like where Gonzaga is now. They're making it to Final Fours. Uh, they're they're playing really well, having very few losses on the year, and then they get over that hump. But to think that that Coach K took a school like that um, and and turned them into the New York Yankees, I mean, really, yeah. Uh, you love them or you hate them, right? Turn them into Alabama football. You love them or you hate them. And you know, I, I, I laugh and joke. I've got some friends of mine that are you know they're New York Yankees. Uh, baseball fans, they're Duke basketball fans, they're Cowboys football fans, and they're of course. Alabama, you know, Alabama football fans, like all that stuff. But uh, but at the end of the day, Duke's right up there with all those. And I get it, man. Um, there's nothing we got. You have to understand the respect level, right? When people hate you, at the end of the day, they hate you because you're good. People don't hate people that aren't good, and uh, and he gets a lot of hate thrown his way. That's for sure. But people hate. Uh, on, on greatness and and he's great he's great at what he did now was he perfect absolutely not I mean we sit here sometimes and I sit there and I man why do we make that move or man I really wish he hadn't ran that player off or you know man I wish we'd recruit a little bit differently there's, there's always things we can all look at right and say man if it were me I'd have done it differently well number one it's not us yeah um, and number two uh he's done just fine his legacy is cemented he will be in every hall of fame that he can possibly be in and i'll be honest with you at 75 years old i hope he lives many more years and can kind of enjoy uh the fruits of his labor see his grandkids grow up meet his great grandkids you know all those things and i really hope he can take some time and relax because for 42 years he hasn't mike krzyzewski retires after 42 seasons as the duke men's basketball coach we'll kind of wrap up our conversation today give final thoughts about what's ahead for the Stukeman's basketball team and more on the other side of this break, you're listening to Locked On Blue Devils. Today's edition of Locked On Blue Devils is brought to you by our friends over at Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. From all the latest sports developments, including this week's Masters Championship odds, podcast, and reviews for all the different leagues this season, Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, live betting, esports, and scores. Head to the website today. Or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. Final few moments here on today's edition of Lockdown Blue Devils. JJ Jackson hanging out with Josh Cox from Duke Football Talks Section 17 podcast. All right, it's April 4th, Monday, April 4th. I just mentioned it a moment ago. Masters Week coming up at the end of the week here in Augusta. And then next week, at the end of next week, we've got the Duke Football Spring Game. 
coming up, Josh. So a lot of things happening uh, now that we can turn our attention to. Yeah, it's football season, baby, at least for the next two weeks. Um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, so spring game, by the way, if you're uh, local or you're, you're within driving distance, that spring game is obviously open to the public uh, and free. And I believe they're going to allow tailgating and everything. We've got some tailgate plans uh, coming together for that Saturday. And so uh, if you could make it out, man, it'd be really awesome to really have as many people there to show the support uh, for Mike Elko and this new staff and uh, and this new team that he's putting on the field. And so, yes, yeah, we're going to be at practice uh, this week. I'm, I'm going to be there Wednesday, and then they have a closed scrimmage on Saturday that we'll be at. And so hopefully getting some some more behind the scenes there for everyone um, as we get prepared for the spring game. And then for us as a podcast, then we'll be releasing um, a podcast right after that. And it's kind of our thoughts as we've sat through several spring practices and tried to get to know people a little bit better uh, from the Duke football program. So it is definitely uh, football season for us. I can't wait to listen to that. I can't wait to see the Duke spring game moving forward and what the football team looks like as we get set for an exciting season. Year one of the Mike Elko era. We're also getting set for year one of the John Shire era because Mike Krzyzewski's career has now come to a close. Coach K is is so sarcastic, so witty from time to time. People were, uh, there were a couple of reporters that got it on film when he was exiting his media press conference following the loss to North Carolina. He hopped on, on the uh, golf cart with his wife, Mickey, and said, you guys can superimpose a sunset or something like that, in the bowels of the state, at the Superdome in New Orleans, he's already thinking about kind of riding off into the sunset. Unfortunately, not the uh, sunset we wanted it to be, but, uh, man, it's it's just still so surreal that uh, it's over. And, and now we move into a brand-new era of Duke basketball. Yeah, and I, and I believe this uh, firmly, that Duke basketball is in good hands uh, with John Shire. Um, I, for one, am looking forward a little bit to John Shire. I – uh, not that I'm, you know, glad to see Kay leave or, or anything, but these are natural seasons of life, and I'm looking forward to a a completely opposite perspective as far as a young guy. Um, I think our program could benefit uh, from a little bit more of a hands-on type guy like John's going to be. Uh, a little bit nervous from what uh, we're hearing on Twitter is that Nolan Smith might not be a part of this staff uh, moving forward, and maybe by the time that we even uh, this even <laughs> is released. Uh, he may be at Louisville. That's what we're hearing. Uh, taking the associate head coach job there, that would be a big loss. Um, him and John are really tight. Uh, call each other best friends, um, and and I'm sure Nolan um, is already making waves on the recruiting uh, trail for Duke. But hey, listen. At the end of the day, um, John Shires would have to step up, and and you know I don't expect him to go to the Final Four next year. I know Hubert Davis did that this year. Um, but I believe Duke fans need to give John Shire five years, period, no matter what happens in the first couple of years. And I, I can't wait to see what he does with our program. I believe recruiting will stay at the highest level. And then it's just going to be about how are we going to build these rosters out every year. I don't see the current model being sustainable. I don't believe we can have 80 to 90% roster turnover every single season and build a successful program. Um, and so we're going to have to maybe – adjust and shift a little bit of our recruiting philosophy, which I think, honestly, looking at this class coming in this coming year, I think John has already kind of done that a little bit, um, recruited a couple of guys that are definitely going to be multi-year uh, players. And Christian Reeves even coming in, they're already saying he's going to redshirt his first year, which is fine. Um, so anyway, I would look for us too. If we're looking ahead, uh, if you just do the numbers, 
Okay. Where let's say Jeremy Roach comes back, and the right. only reason that's even a question now is because of how good he played in the last six weeks. But I'm pretty confident, like 99% confident, Jeremy Roach comes back. I'm about the same confidence level that Trevor Keels, Mark Williams, Wendell Moore all go uh, pro, uh, and A.J. Griffin all go pro, um, and, and of course, Paulo. So right. we're going to lose our, our you know five out of our five players, yeah. top six. And then, of course, you've got Bates and Theo uh, that are grad transfers that are now done. You have Joey, who is up in the air. I mean, CBS reported he was coming back for his fifth season. You've not heard that from Joey. Joey made a little tribute on his Instagram page uh, to the fans after the last home game, said thanks for four years, Cameron Crazies. Uh, so don't know where that's happening. So we could be left with returning, legitimate returning uh, scholarship players, Jalen Blakes and Jeremy Roach. That could be. If we bring in the six freshmen and one of them, red shirt. So that's only seven roster players at that yeah. point. A lot so, of work to do. So what I'm getting at, I feel – strongly that we're going to see three to four grad transfers come in and play for this team next year, which is going to be radically different than anything that we've ever done here at Duke. And I, 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 it's going to be fascinating to me to see how the coaching staff, who they target, who they go after. They're going to have to go after several. And, man, maybe we can strike some gold, Alondis Williams, or maybe we can strike a Brady Manic gold and really maybe <clears throat> get this team where they need to be a whole lot quicker than what we thought. You just brought a lot of heat right there, Josh. I mean, you brought all the, the news and headlines happening right now. Again, we're recording this on Sunday night going into Monday uh, for your Monday edition of Lockdown Blue Devils. Tonight, the national championship game between North Carolina and Kansas. Uh, but, Duke, we're hearing the rumors about Nolan Smith. Kenny Payne is their new head coach. Uh, he had a couple of seasons there uh, as an assistant coach for the New York Knicks. Kenny Payne played for Louisville. Nolan Smith's father, Derek, won a national championship at Louisville in 1980. That's kind of his ties to that school. And it'd be a promotion to be an associate head coach at an ACC program. John Shire already has to fill one spot on his staff. That was the seat that he occupied. And then roster construction, because all of these players have decisions to be made. As, as we sort of wrap, because again, we've got so many questions that need to be answered and plenty of time to sort of answer those questions. Jeremy Roach being the most likely to come back for another season and going to his junior year. If you had to give me one more, who would be kind of that next guy that uh, you might not think is coming back, but wouldn't be surprised if he did. It's got to be Wendell Moore. Um, I think those other guys are as good as gone. I think Trevor was gone before he stepped foot on campus. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way. <clears throat> I think it'd be foolish for AJ and Mark to come back. Right. Um, and so the thing with Wendell is going to be, listen, Wendell is a good basketball player. Uh, if Wendell comes back next year and has that Draymond Green um, senior season, right, and he has and he can do that, I think we could definitely uh, see him come back, lead this team, get to the final four, and possibly even improve that draft that draft stock. I mean, I so I think if there's a chance of anyone else coming back, it's going to be Wendell Moore Jr. And you know, fourth year, those NIL, the NIL money will be there. That's for sure. He already did a lot of that this year, and he won the Julius Irving Small Forward of the Year Award, and he could come back. Man, I, I think it would be great. I don't know that it's going to happen, but like you said, like you said, if, if you're asking me who could do it, it's him. I wish Duke was playing in the national championship game tonight, but instead here we are talking about a 2022 
2023 basketball team. And as I said, plenty of time to uh, to talk about that in the coming days and weeks. And Josh Cox, I can't say thank you enough uh, for joining the show each and every week as you do. All right, Kansas and North Carolina tonight, what happens? If Kansas come up, comes out and plays like they did on Saturday night, no one's beating them. I agree. Um, if, if Abaji comes I out and is shooting – Yeah, if, they're, if he's shooting the way that he was the other night – uh, and then Remy Martin didn't even really, you know, play a good game. Uh, McCormick's tough. I, I'm going to be really interested to watch McCormick and Baycott go at each other down low. I think that's going to be a great matchup. Um, you know, obviously, as a Duke fan, I'm pulling for Kansas. I'd love to see them uh, get a title. Uh, it would be their fourth in uh, in their history, which is kind of wild. They've only had three. Um, but uh, I'm pulling hard for the old Rock Chalk Jayhawk. I cannot get myself in any scenario ever yeah. to pull for our friends at Chapel Hill. <laughs> Lovely. Well, Josh, I always do appreciate it. Look forward to talking to you again soon, okay? Hey, man, have a great day. Thanks for having me on, JJ. That is Josh Cox, Duke Football Talks Section 17 Podcast, joining us here on the program. He's on Twitter at Joshua Cox. I'm on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. That is going to do it for today's show. We'll talk to you tomorrow. As always, go Duke. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.